Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning. 10.08 on this beautiful Sunday, February 25th. Baseball season is in full swing. Charlie, Pete, myself, uh, great to be with you this morning. And we are joined on the phone right away by New Twins lead play-by-play radio voice, Chris Atterbury joining us live from beautiful Florida this morning. Chris, uh, thank you for taking some time because I know that, that this time is very busy for you. And I, I kind of want to start first with a congratulations. Uh, you have been with the organization since 2007, and you've got the big job now. This has to be a dream come true for you. What has this first spring training like been for you? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on today, and, and it is. It's, I mean, that's what every kid wants to do who sits behind a microphone, you know that all too well, right? I mean, that's what you, you dream on when you're slogging through the minor leagues. For me, that was an eight-year process. I did high school games off the back of pickup trucks. I mean, you kind of seen it all, done it all. Uh, so it's great. To be honest, though, spring training is not that different because I've been coming down here for 17 years in my other role uh, where I would come down and do a handful of games and go back. The biggest difference is I'm just here longer, doing a few more innings. So it's a big step, and I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity, uh, but it's the same work. So more than anything, I'm really glad just to be able to do the work, just get down, flip the mic on, have the game start, and do some games. And uh, and I'm really looking forward to games where you don't have 18 new players come in every fifth inning. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you have an amazing career already, and you're still a young guy. But um, it, it's interesting, and I'm looking forward to seeing you this week down here at Fort Myers. Um, but a quick question for you. How, how on earth did you ever leave Pepperdine University? I'm just curious on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Pepperdine was a weird one for me. So my wife was going to, well, she was my, my, I guess, fiance at the time, or I don't even know if I'd gotten around to proposing yet, but she was going to grad school at USC, and I was doing Sioux Falls Canaries games in the summer. And then I would, when the Canary season ended, I'd jump in my pickup and I'd drive out to, to L.A., and I was like, look, man, I can't live in L.A. It's going to be hard. You know, I'm a Montana kid. She goes, how about if we live at the beach? And I'm like, okay, I like that. I like that idea. And so we lived, we literally lived a block off the beach, halfway wow. between the, the Hermosa Pier and the Manhattan <laughs> Beach Pier. Our place was so small, it didn't even have a functioning stove or kitchen. We had like a mini fridge. <laughs> and our shower door opened to the backyard because it was like the, the surfing shower. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I hooked up and I did games up at Pepperdine. And the first day I drove in, um, in my, my truck, it had the Montana plates on it. And the guy says at the guard gate, he goes, construction parking in the back. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like they wanted to keep me around too long, but it was a great opportunity. I stayed really busy up there. Got to do a lot of baseball games, water polo games, basketball games, volleyball games. Mm. Uh, it was a fun way to spend my winter, that's for sure. That commute up uh, uh, PCH was uh, was fantastic. <laughs> you called wait. You called water polo games when you were there too. Oh yeah, can you? Yeah, you think that's good? I, I called ski joring when I was in Wyoming. Uh, 
out of college where that and you're up in the woods and the guys are are pulling skiers behind horses and one of the horses like broke loose because i don't think he wanted to pull a skier anymore and the, the posse took off after him and i'm just filling airtime like all right uh well we'll see if they come back you know? <laughs> yeah i just a little bit of everything that is the very recognizable voice of Chris Atterbury, Twins play-by-play radio guy, which you can hear all season right here on WCCO Radio. Chris, let's talk a little baseball. Uh, we have made so much on this show this offseason and, and preseason, talked a lot about Byron Buxton and, and his injury history. But this is very much a big year for Alex Kirilov coming off an injury. The team gets Carlos Santana. Seems like they'll share a bit of a load there, uh, maybe a platoon, but... From what you've seen of Kirilov early, how does he look, and do you feel like he's ready kind of for that day-to-day role and to stay healthy the whole year? Yeah, that's always the question for him. Everyone loves to swing, and I think he's good defensively at first, and, and he, we're going to see him lead off today against the Red Sox. But the biggest key is that he's, he's physically fine. You know, he's not rehabbing anything. He's not worrying about anything except playing. And so I think right now it's just a matter of let's just get the performance. Um, can he stay healthy? I mean, you guys know that nobody can answer that question. They'll want to stay healthy, but at least he's not starting from behind the eight ball. You know, he's starting at full bore. He had an off season that wasn't an off season of rehab. It was an off season of just getting ready to play. Um, Carlos Santana gives you a lot of options. You know, he, he can, you know, hit probably hits lefties better than he hits righties, but he can hit righties too. He's a very good glove defensively. He gives you the chance to platoon. It wouldn't be kind of a pure platoon. He can DH. He's done a lot of that um, as Alex works his way in. Alex can play the outfield. I think they'd rather see him on the dirt. Um, but I, I think he's healthy, and it's just a matter of, you know, can, can the wrist hold up and, and can he find his swing, which when it's right is really fun to watch. So uh, I like him here today. He's leading off at JetBlue. You know, they've got the mini Fenway. And Kirilov's natural swing, the ball's in left center field a lot, so uh, hopefully we can see him put that on display today. Chris, out of curiosity, is there anybody, and I know we're just starting and everything else, but when you see people walking in, and I know we do this with football all the time as well, but there's somebody who just looks a little bit different this year than maybe they did last year. Is there somebody that stands out for you right now off the offseason and, and getting ready to start this part of the, you know, the preseason, let's call it? Um, is there somebody who stands out significantly for you right now how they look i love the, the you're you're talking about the phenomenon known as best shape of my life phenomenon right in spring training <laughs> yeah. where we, we get to see like the seven stories about someone in the best shape of their life uh, i'll give you one and and it might not seem as dramatic but i i think it's a legit one so jose miranda when he came up and had that good rookie year you know he's not like one of these just incredible physical specimens and he was a little soft body wise and and, and carlos correa put him on kind of his the Carlos plan and said, look, if you get quicker and thinner, you can get to balls where you're getting beat inside. And last year, Jose was super skinny. I mean, he was, he was really lean. And then, of course, he was hurt and, and he wasn't right. He's still not throwing fully and playing defensively, but his body, to me, looks better suited to the rigors of the game. He's put weight back on, but he's put good weight back on. And so instead of being kind of a softer guy he was a couple of years ago, He's more sculpted up, muscled up a little bit, but he's not nearly as, as weightfish as I thought he was a year ago. So I would say body-wise, he would be one guy that, that stands out to me. Um, everybody else, the thing that fascinates me 
going back to my first spring training was 2007. Everybody's in like game shape already, right? Like nobody's coming in here to to what was the the term Guardy had for Jose Maharis? He's not in shape; he's a shape. Um, <laughs> like th- that doesn't happen anymore, right? Nobody nobody shows up having to work through some things, um, and so I, I think everybody looks pretty good. You mentioned Buck briefly, and and I'll throw him out there. He hasn't played in a game yet, but he has gone full bore in every drill on the big field. He's running around chasing balls. He's doing all the base running drills. That's the greatest sign of spring for me uh, is that Byron is just fully engaged physically with all the activities. There's no he's working out in the backfield or he's in the training room or he's behind the green curtain. Uh, He's out here doing his thing with a big smile on his face, and that has been contagious for the rest of the guys uh, in camp. Chris, I want to talk, if we can, about the elephant in the room here. And, and there's a lot being made of the Twins payroll and, and the lack of spending in the off season. But when you look at the World Series from last year, Texas had the ninth highest payroll. Arizona's 21st. Is there? Can we finally agree that there's just too much made about payroll in, in Major League Sports and, and where your salary cap is? Because clearly it doesn't actually always translate to success. I agree. And I, I think that this market is fascinated with the Polad family's checkbook. Um, and I think what, what we've failed to look at is, are we spending money wisely? Yeah. You know, the Padres and the Angels and all these other teams, the Mets last year, they back up the Brinks truck and for what? You know, just to, to spend it. And, and look, I'm all, as a fan, I want my team to, to have the best players. But I think sometimes we're so busy confusing the best players for the most expensive players. And I don't think that's the case. If this was a cheap organization, we wouldn't be paying Carlos what we're paying him. You know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have Pablo on the extension. Uh, you know, Byron got a whole bunch of money. We've got good players. And I think if you look at the players that are available, is, is a $30 million a year guy out there that is worth $30 million a year? I would say, yeah, maybe not. Um, I, that it would be better significantly than what we have. I think spending wisely is better than spending just to spend. Um, I've always been hugely in favor of players getting every cent they can possibly get. I want guys to make money and, and get paid. Um, but I think this is a good team, and I think we're so busy worrying about what we didn't do that we're not looking at the fact that I think this team probably is better than last year's team coming into the season. I know we lost Sonny. He had a dynamite year. Um, to pay him that kind of money at his age. His year was great. He, he walked a tightrope a lot last year, too. Mm-hmm. Could you foresee him turning in the same exact type of year? I mean, I'd never bet against him, but it, you know, it, it probably would have been a bit of a risk when you've got a Louis Varlin that is going to come in and, and make a bunch of starts for you. And Bailey Ober's a year better, and Joe Ryan's a year better, and mm-hmm. you paid your legitimate ace, Pablo Lopez, and then you, you, know, you stocked your bullpen with deep guys. To me, it comes down to this. If the Twins guys who do make money play well, Byron and Carlos and Royce, this is going to be a really good team, and no one's going to be talking about what the payroll is because Byron obviously last year lost year. Carlos, great in the playoffs. We've seen what he can do, winning pedigree. He has not played good offensive baseball as a Twin except for the month of September, his first year, and the postseason. And a lot of it had to do with that that foot thing. If, If he's healthy and he just performs like Carlos, Byron performs like Byron, and you get a full year of Royce Lewis, you've got a really good team, and then we can turn the conversation from cheap off season, didn't do anything, to 
this is an aggressive team at the trade deadline to fill in the blanks and go win some playoff series. And I think that's, I think that's the plan. And, and if you're betting on success in this year, and I agree with you, if, it's, if you're talking about Ryan versus Pablo Lopez, I, I'd put my money on Lopez that he's going to have the better year this year. Then Sonny, you mean? Are you talking about Sonny? Sonny, thank you. Sonny, yeah. yes. Yeah, and, and again, there, there are financial things that are legitimate here, and I know in a billion-dollar business, it's hard for those of us who don't work in that, bra- that class, uh, in that tax bracket, to, to acknowledge it. But when you lose a massive chunk of money that was coming in, right. you can't spend the same amount of money. Look at the Rangers. The, the Rangers won the World Series, right? They're stacking bills down there, selling World Series memorabilia. Jordan <laughs> Montgomery was a huge part of it. They were ready to pay him the money to stay. And literally, the amount that they lost in their TV deal is the amount that they had earmarked to give him. So where do you go, right? right? Where do you go? That money evaporated into bankruptcy court, and you're sitting there going, well, Jordan, uh, sorry, I left my wallet in my other pants. I mean, so <laughs> I think that's a, a legitimate issue that, again, I get it. You're, you're paying a lot of money for tickets and beers and hot dogs, and you want your team to win, and, and you, you don't want to quibble about it, but $30 million isn't – isn't just laying around under the seat cushions either um, when revenue streams change that dramatically. So that is a factor. Um, but to me, again, spend your money wisely and, and go from there. Chris, I know we, we're pushing up against the time frame, but real quick, what team do, do we need to fear the most in the Central this year? That's a really good question. Um, I, I generally have always said whatever team Terry Francona is managing – um, and since he's not managing anymore, I guess I have to come up with a new one. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to ride with the popular pick here. And I think the Tigers are, are building something. Um, I, I've known AJ Hinch since we were teenagers together in college. He's a really good manager. Um, and he now has a partner in Scott Harris in the front office and they're like-minded. Um, and they've got an, an ownership group that has invested wisely in some young players and are kind of piecing in some of the other additions um, in terms of trying to fill in gaps till all their young pitching is ready. They had good young pitching on the way, uh, Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize and Matt Manning, and they were really derailed by injury. They're going to start getting those guys back as Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green have ascended. They took this step, kind of the old Tampa Bay Rays, Evan Longoria play. They paid Colt Keith a lot of money before he ever played a big league game um, to try to keep him there long time, uh, long-term. So I, I think that's a team to be reckoned with in the coming years. Um, I also think that A.J. is a master of getting the most out of what he has in his dugout, um, and they're always going to give you a tussle. We've had some really, really tough battles with those guys since he got into the old English D. So I think they're the most formidable opponent. That said, I think the Twins are the best team in the American League Central, and I, I'll speak on behalf of everyone in our organization. I think we'll be disappointed if we don't win the division. I would agree. Chris Atterbury, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Great to talk with you, uh, and I hope we can do it again soon, okay? All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Have a great one. Thanks, Chris. Twins, Red Sox today, uh, 12.05 first pitch. By the way, phenomenal pitching matchup for for, uh, spring training. Lucas Giolito against Bailey Ober today. Uh, Again, Twins, Red Sox. I believe you can hear that right here. On WCCO Radio. Do we have that one on? Is That is on our radio today. So you can hear Chris uh, on the call in just a little bit. We'll take a break. Come back. You're listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO.
Welcome back to the huddle. What a great interview with Chris Atterbury. Love talking to him, Pete. Man, he's just so so knowledgeable uh, and and yeah. and worldly in the game. And it is really nice to see someone who has worked hard, worked their way up. He's talked about calling water polo, uh, and now he's <laughs> now he's in the bigs. I love that. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like that whole thing about the skiing behind a horse or a mule right? or whatever. Skijoring. That's what you do, right? You're like, yeah, I'll call skijoring. Uh, big win. Hey, big win for the Minnesota Wild last night. 5-2 win over the Kraken. They're two points out of the second wild card spot in the Western Conference now. They're trailing the Predators. Um, big win last night. Huge win. I was at the game on Monday. It was awesome. Double hat trick uh, for the Wild. And so I, I, I did a little homework this morning, and I'm looking because I just feel like all of a sudden now the narrative's changing for this team, right? It, it's They are now within a shot of the playoffs, and, and it seems like you're getting guys off injury that you can. Guys are coming up and playing well now. Kaprizov is, is coming back. Matt Boldy's continued his streak. Looks like maybe they dodged a bullet and Erickson X going to be okay. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, they're still far out, though. So maybe, you know, who, who knows? But here's what I looked up, okay? Florida went to the Stanley Cup last year, and, and Florida is a bit of a extreme example. But do you know where they sat on February 25th of last year in the Eastern Conference? Take a guess. The exact same place the Wild are sitting right now in the Western Conference. Sixth place. Sixth place. They went on a run near the end of the season. They had, a, they had a, a prayer in the playoffs, and it paid off, and then they go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. My point being, good goaltending and everybody mm-hmm. playing their best hockey at once can really make a huge difference. And I feel like right now the Wild are turning that corner. They're beating good teams. Vancouver's no joke. Seattle's no joke. And all of a sudden now there's something going on here in St. Paul, Peter. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty exciting. And you mentioned what, what they're doing right right now. And I think what they're doing right is they've gotten a lot better offensively. I, I think defensively, they, they've, they're still they're, they're okay. Uh, but I like what they're doing. Erickson, Kaprizov, Zuccarello mm-hmm. just had the four assists. I mean, you know, you, you start looking at all of that. Boldy has shown a little bit of brightness again. And, you know, you look at that and you say, well, uh, maybe we do have a shot. I, I think the one thing that you you and I would probably agree on on this it would be you know, we, we, I always like to look at this in any sport. You know, your point differential tells you a lot about what's really going on behind the scenes. And that's something you got to get that into positive territory. If we can start seeing that much more explosiveness on offense, a little bit better on defense, and get that into the positive territory, then I think we are really on our way. I think that's, that's something that would concern me still right now. But obviously, it, it's a good start, like you were saying, I, Good teams. When you start beating the good teams mm-hmm. and you start putting in the kind of goals that we have done, uh, it gets everybody excited, especially the fans, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is there anything more exciting going to games and seeing seeing us put up, you know, five goals, four goals on, on pretty good teams and mm-hmm. going up and putting up 10 on the Canucks? I mean, that yep. gives you a lot of op- opportunity, I think, um, to, to really get people excited again about what's going on with the Wild. And I, I look at the scoring here. I mean, this team had, and if you know, my point is this year, it's going to be, you know, we're going to see what we can do, see what you can do. But when you look at some of the young talent that this team has locked up for a while, okay, you got Kirill Kaprizov has 63 points already this year. 
Julie Eriksson-Eck has 54. Matt Zuccarello, who's missed some time, has 50. Matt Boldy has 47 points. Brock Faber has four goals and 30 assists. He would absolutely be rookie of the year, almost a lock in any other year that Connor Bedard wasn't playing hockey. Marco Rossi's finally turned the corner. He's got 33 points. These players, they're starting to come together, and a lot of these guys are starting to come into their own. Don't forget, Brock Faber, Matt Boldy, and Marco Rossi are all really young. Probably couldn't even get into a bar without being carded at this point in their careers, right? I mean, I don't even know if Matt Boldy shaves yet. But these guys, I mean, it's working. And I really feel like if this team continues where they're at and playing the hockey that they're playing, Erickson Eck is probably one of the most underrated guys in the National Hockey League. And I said that on Monday when I talked on, on DeRush's show, that for, for some reason he flies under the radar every year. He's got 54 points, and he's a plus 15. That's incredible. This guy is yeah. having an amazing year, and he does it every single year. The, the, it's coming together, and I'm telling you, I'm just going to say it now. Are they going to win the Stanley Cup? I don't know. Are they going to make it the Stanley Cup? I don't know. But this team right now is trending in the right direction this week when it matters as you come out of the All-Star break and, and kind of careening here towards the, the deadline. That is so true because it, it, it is something to be said of going all the way back, you know, the beginning of the year and all the rest of that. But it now is when it counts. I always look at that from football and any of the other right. sports. But, you know, when I look at football, I always say, you know what, the first half is great. But it's really how you finish. It's, it's how do you close things up? How do you do in the third quarter setting up for the fourth quarter? And can you win the fourth quarter? And if you can do that, you definitely usually put yourself into a pretty good spot. At least there's the opportunity. And that's, that's kind of what we're seeing, I think, right now uh, from the Wild. And they've done a, a great job. They've had to fight through some injuries and a, and a lot of headaches that go along with that whole thing. But it seems like, to your mm-hmm. point, it seems like over the last – and you look at the last 10 games, they've won seven of them. So they're, yeah. they're doing something right. They just have to keep that up, and that has to almost accelerate. Let's, let's look for the next 10 to be eight, you know, something like that. That would be great. And then suddenly we are right back in the thick of things. And, and to your point about uh, capping, you know, playing at the right time, if you, there's a reason it's called the President's Cup curse in the NHL. Like if you get the top record in the league, President's Cup – you don't always go on to, to win the Stanley Cup. Right, how many years have the Wild, you know, limped in or finished with a great record and then, you know, not done what they wanted in, in the postseason? So it is very much about is your team peaking at the right time? And certainly I, I think we're pretty close to saying that the Wild are doing that, but I agree with you over these next uh, 10 games is going to be an, a, another real crucial stretch for them. We'll take a quick break. You are listening to The Huddle. We'll do the fast break coming up next, 830 WCCO. All right, guys. Uh, well, actually, we're not going to go right into it. First things uh, first, Dave, I've, I've been informed of some news. Uh-oh. Ah! <laughs> uh, I was unaware. It is your birthday. Happy birthday, wow. Dave. Or Thanks, 35? guys. 35? Yes. 35? Yeah, we'll stay at 35. That sounds yeah, good. Absolutely. Good Let's just say... I was old enough to remember the miracle on ice. Well, I was old, I was alive when the miracle on ice happened. I was not there. Well, that's. I mean, you don't have to give yourself away that badly, but all right. Um, you know what? I'm fine. I turned 45 today. Very happy to be 45. Feel great and um, love and life. Happy to be there. All right, wonderful. God, you're young, Mike. Ah, I don't feel it, Pete. 
<laughs> you right. look it. You look great. All right, Charlie. Let's, uh, right. Yeah, no, 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 no problem. Let's get Thank into it here, Dave. You're going to go first as the birthday boy. Uh, we're getting near the regular season. A great conversation with Chris Atterbury, by the way. That'll be up on the podcast page uh, momentarily. Uh, you'll be able to listen back if you missed that. Uh, a lot of really good information from Chris in there. But we're getting closer to the regular season. Uh, I thought I'd look back at some former members of the team. As we obviously know, earlier in the offseason, Jorge Polanco traded to the Seattle Mariners. He'll be in a new uniform this year. But not many people, I would think, know that uh, former twin Mitch Garver is joining him in Seattle after signing a free agent contract up there. Elsewhere, we've got Taylor Rogers joining his identical twin brother Tyler in the bullpen in San Francisco, uh, which is going to be interesting. They're identical, except one of them is sidearm. Tyler, Tyler throws a, yeah, is. a submarine uh, delivery, whereas Taylor, not so much. And then the one that really caught my eye, though, Miguel Sano is back in the major leagues. Did not play at all last year. He is suiting wow. up this spring, though, for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Is that still what they're called, or is it just the Los Angeles? Angels? <laughs> they just yeah. change it all the time. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure of what they're currently called. But I found that pretty interesting as he, obviously he did not play at all last year. I'm going to be rooting for him. I always liked the guy. It just wasn't going to happen here, though, for him. Um, which brings me to my question. Who is a player on a Minnesota team historically who you think could have been something greater had the situation been right for them? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. That's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll go it just because it's always my – that's a really good question. Uh, well, I mean, I think the easy one don't, is don't. Daniel Carlson. Oh, for the, I didn't think you were going to say that. Well, I have two. Wow. So I'd say Daniel Carlson because he did just fine out of here. I think he missed a couple of key field goals in a season where Mike Zimmer, who, who's the head coach at the time and does not like kickers, it was very plain to see, and he <laughs> lost them a, a game against the Packers to some degree, and they, and they shipped him off. I think he could have been quite a, a lot better here. But I also go to Charlie Coyle, who's now in Boston, who's had some really good seasons there. And I just think that he was a really, really good player. He kind of disappeared in the playoffs a number of times. But as a classic scenario of be- different situation, better result, um, he, he's, been mu- he's been better there than he has. I think they've gotten the most out of him. But I would also say that, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Nino Niederreiter, who came here from the Islanders, he was lost in that organization before he came here and had great seasons. Kevin Fiala, same. So I'll, I'll say those two guys. I'd go with Danny, Daniel Carlson and uh, Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle is such a Boston hockey player anyway. Though. Yeah, you can't and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Playing hockey Just anywhere but, but Boston. Pete, did anybody jump out in your brain when I, when I asked that? You know, when I when I think about guys that, that I, uh, if, if I'm reading this right, we're talking about people that we wish we would have kept. Is that what we're saying? Uh, yeah, somebody that, you know, maybe had the talent and the situation just wasn't right around them to to make them great here. Yeah, and, and I'd almost go to a name that you guys are definitely familiar with, and he's had some really great success and some ups and downs, but Stefan Diggs is, is an interesting mm. guy, I think, you know, and he's... Some people really dislike him. Some people really love him, and he's and he's you know he can be very polarizing. But I'll tell you, he he has been one of the top end receivers for quite a while, and I think he uh, he he puts his foot in his mouth a little bit here and there. But uh, but he was he was a special player, and it, obviously the play against New Orleans is still something that I think every Viking fan remembers that. Yep, 
putting his foot in his mouth. That's a very diplomatic uh, way of describing yeah, Stefan Diggs, who apparently, uh, you know, there's rumors, oh, he's now having issues in Buffalo. We'll see Shocker. what happens yeah. there. We'll move on to shocked. Second question here, Pete, and don't worry, I'm not going to ask you anything deep in the weeds about soccer, but it is a Minnesota United setup here. Uh-oh. Minnesota United officially has a full-time head coach. That position, of course, had been filled by multiple interim coaches since Adrian Heath was let go in October. Uh, the new man, you may know him, you may not, 32-year-old Eric Ramsey, who has been an mm. assistant coach for English giant Manchester United. Uh, mm. He'll become the youngest coach ever in the MLS when he officially starts off here. Uh, my question for you, Pete, who is the most underrated coach in Minnesota sports history, the one that we may overlook. So no Bud Grants, everybody knows he was great. No, you know, Herb Brooks's, everybody knows he was great. Who who maybe gets lost in the shuffle of, of great Minnesota coaches? You know who, who does get lost a little bit, and it's because it goes so far back, but uh, I'd go back to when I was playing with the Vikings, we had Pete Carroll. And, you know, he's had an unbelievable career, yeah. one of the oldest coaches, you know, and that's why he stepped away along with maybe getting a little bit of a push. But, you know, the guy had an unbelievable success at USC, not as much around the rest of the NFL, but certainly in Seattle. So I don't know. I think I think Pete Carroll would be probably my 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 top pick. Dave? Well, I mean, Tim Brewster would be my number one, oh, but I would – no, I'm just kidding. Um, two of them. I always have two answers. Uh, Mike Tomlin, who, who's gone on, obviously, to, to very good things in Pittsburgh, and Cheryl Reeve, if we can, if we count her as, as being underrated, and we've talked about her extensively. It's, it's her ability to not only coach the game but coach the player is, is I think, unmatched in, in basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, three good names thrown out there. We'll go back to you, Dave. Uh, question number three is the gopher – Men's basketball program has continued its upswing in recent months. It's been the polar opposite over on the women's side as they have struggled heavily after star guard Mara Braun injured her foot four weeks ago and has been out. Year ones obviously can be uh, tough for new coaches, so it's not necessarily a shock that you were seeing some struggles from uh, Coach Don Plitzowitz's first year here. Um, and I think a lot of people look at that program and see that there's a lot of Pretty great opportunity. A lot of talent in the upper Midwest. She's been recruiting well. She just picked up another top 50 or so recruit uh, this week uh, out of the state of Wisconsin. So I think that there's there's opportunity there that many see. But my question is, who makes it to the NCAA tournament first, the men's team or the women's team? Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's the men's team just, just because – it takes time, you know. I mean, but last year Ben Johnson was in year two, and and everyone's talking about him not even making it to year three. So, right. uh, it, it's it's going to be the men. I don't know if it's going to be this year. Don't think it's going to be this year. But Almost you just don't know. Not. You, but you don't. You don't know don't until. Know. You know, I mean, there's the tournament, right? That's and, that's the big, you know, great event. And in counting their game today, I think of their last game. What last five games? Three of them are ahead of them in the standings. So, I mean, they can. Mm-hmm. They can make some room. They can make some moves here. Uh, Don's just going to need more time. Uh, not that she won't make it inside three years, but I think it's going to take a little more time. So I would say, uh, you know, with everything being the way it is and being the same, I would say the men probably make it there sooner, possibly this year. But I would just think I have a pretty good shot at next year. Yeah, I mean, the men certainly do technically control their destiny. I mean, if they win out and they win a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament, yeah, they're they're in the. 
It's just that they're playing some some mighty good teams here the last five, six games yes. uh, with your Illinois at Nebraska, yep. uh, who have been really good this year, even though the Gophers did beat them earlier in the season. It was a big victory. Uh, we'll move on here to final question here for Pete. The Timberwolves continue to roll as they beat down the Nets last night after a close loss on Friday against a obviously very good Bucks team. Uh, you watch this team, Pete. You think, where are the weaknesses? They are so good defensively. They are good offensively. And mm-hmm. you look and you say, who, who is going to beat them in a seven-game series? Who, who can stop the offense? Who can get by Rudy Gobert on the center? Uh, so my question, of course, then surrounds a classic Minnesota pessimism. What is your concern <laughs> about this team, Pete? What is going to stop them from making the NBA Finals? What, what is going to be that thing that we look back and say, man, if only, if only this. The only thing that I can see, guys, is the is is literally just staying healthy. I, I think when we when we have the the guys all out there on the court, and Rudy was out just the other day, as a matter of fact, and I think that's an impact for sure because he's he's been absolutely spectacular, and it's not just defense like we usually expect. He's been really solid on offense. Ant is unbelievable. I think he's one of the most electric players there is in the NBA. I've said it for a couple of years, and I still say it. I think he's. Amazing. And then, of course, you got Cat, who has really finally adjusted to this whole thing this year. I look at the Timberwolves. They put up, you know, 121 points a couple of different times or more than 121 points. I mean, our offensive side is coming together. Our defensive side is there. And I think if we're healthy, um, sure, we can lose a game to like Milwaukee like we did the other day and then come right back and, and maybe win a game. But I think that uh, I think that mentally they are in tune with who they are, and I think that they can go that seven games and be on the winning side of that. So I I would not be shocked to see us do really really well once the playoff times come. So the mandate from Pete Nigerian to all Timberwolves players: no knuckle push-ups. Are, Please don't. Not going to do any knuckle push-ups this year. No punching walls. None that of that. Nice. Those shenanigans. By the way. If you've got a better answer than uh, for any of these questions than these two these two fellas, feel free to text it in, 651-461-9226. I see we've got a, one texter uh, answering maybe the uh, overlooked great Minnesota head coaches with Les Steckel um, as, mm-hmm. as their answer. So, yeah, p- please uh, feel free to text that in if you ever think you've got a better answer than either of these guys. I don't have a better answer, but I have a different answer because I do think the only thing that's going to stop the Timberwolves at this point is if the Denver Nuggets start to really come back around. Um, they're only two and a half points back, so you know it, I'm it's. More worried, and Dave, I'm more worried about Oklahoma City to be honest with you, just because you? of the size, the shooting, and the and the talent that those guys have, and they, they you know they get really streaky. So we've we've gone up and down with them. Um, but Denver's great. You're right. But I, Oklahoma City's another one. That scares me. The thing with OKC well, is they just, they're just they so young, and they have that's, zero that's exactly it. postseason and, experience that you feel yep. Mike Conley can uh, can get these guys rolling uh, in the postseason. It makes a difference. Just get their heads in the right space. Because, I mean, a guy like Nikola Jokic, like, he knows how to turn it on in, in the postseason. Yep. It reminds me of – yeah, it reminds me of the Blackhawks, like, in the, in the mid-2000s when – like they would just kind of, they'd never, they just kind of go through the regular season, and then the postseason would hit, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are scoring every single night, and you know, they just, they great teams just know how to turn it on because of that experience. So I think it makes a big deal. Uh, By we'll the take way, a guys, quick, real quick, I'll, go ahead, Pete. Oh, I was just going to say, real quick, I'll just say this: Nas yeah. Reed, this guy is a sixth man, like, like you know, almost comparable to some of the greats. He comes off the bench, and he's been phenomenal for a couple of years now, and. 
I don't think he gets nearly enough credit. So I'll throw that one in there as well. And there you have it. Nobody loves Nas Reed as much as Pete Najarian does. I don't. Does think, Pete Najarian have a Nas Reed jersey? I would imagine. <laughs> you need a Nas Reed not. jersey. That's a nice gift. For one of your one of your morning walk tweets, <laughs> I want to see you sh- sleeveless in, oh, yeah, in, you a, in a Nas Reed jersey. I'm doing it. <laughs> All right. Love it. We'll take a break. Come back. Wrap up hour number one. You're listening to A3OWCCL. Hey, congratulations. Edina girls hockey team won the class double A title last night. War Road repeated as class, uh, excuse me, three-peated as class A champs. Very cool. Uh, shout out to my buddies over at Chanhassen High School. They're going to play, um, they are going to play Minnetonka. It's a rematch of last year's section final to go to state. Sean Bloomfield, head coach with Sam Sather, Brian Sainty. They are doing something very special in Chan. I don't know if you saw this, Pete, if you saw any of the videos. Just scrolling through Instagram last night, how many of these arenas for high school, boys high school hockey, were absolutely overflowing with people. I, I mean, you look at some of these videos, not just the kids section. There's people on the glass. I mean, it's so cool to watch yeah. this. I love seeing that. It's great to see the support, right, and, and the enthusiasm that people have. And it's, you know, it's why we always brag about Minnesota hockey. And I tell you what, we need to start doing it with basketball because I think we're seeing a lot of those courts getting filled up too. It's pretty great. It is fun to see it. Love seeing the high school game. Love it, any of the sport. It's very pure. It's fun. It's fantastic. We'll take a quick break. Hour number two coming at you. Parker Fox from Gopher Men's Basketball Teams joins on the other side of the break. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.